Hello, everybody. Once again, Steve Goldstein here, and this is the Goldie on Ice podcast on the Florida Panthers and the NHL on the Five Reasons Sports Network. The season has finally begun. NHL hockey is underway. And on this episode of the Goldie on Ice podcast, we sit down with Panthers associate coach Jack Capuano. Very interesting. We talk about his career, um, the series a few years ago. Everybody remembers between the Panthers and the Islanders when he was the Islanders coach. Uh, what this Panthers coaching staff um, how they go about their business, uh, how much you know video work is put in, how much they use analytics, and what Jack in particular wants his defense to do in conjunction with what head coach Bob Bugner wants to set up. So uh, a lot of good hockey stuff and a lot of insight coming up on this edition of the Goldie on Ice podcast with Jack Capuano. Uh, do have to thank our sponsors always. We appreciate it, making it possible. Sides Foundation, the work against pediatric cancer. Uh, Morris Southeast Group, Ken Morris and all your real estate needs. ONA Management Group with Orion and his team. And Oscar and one-on-one concierge and their staff always taking care of you. We will tell you about them a little bit more as the podcast uh, moves along here. But let's get underway. By the way, our producer always, Brett Markowitz, does a phenomenal job. Let's get underway and get right to it with uh, Jack Capuano. All right, Jack, let's, uh, first off, let's go to the 2016 NHL playoffs. Panthers, Islanders, uh, people still talk about that series. There were some great double overtime games. What do you remember being behind the Islanders bench for that one? Well, I just remembered, you know, going into the game there, the final game, we had a big win here when Alan Quine got the power play goal. Obviously it was, it was big for us, but that particular game early on in the first period, we lost Josh Bailey. He was one of our top six forwards and, uh, you know, for our guys to go, obviously a double overtime game with 11 forwards was a credit, credit to those guys. So, um, you know, but it was just a great series. You know, and, and uh, it could have went either way. You know, we, we got the bounces that we needed. And, you know, obviously Tavares got a great goal, obviously, and a great individual effort on on, uh, on our part. And, uh, you know, when we moved on. But it was really good for our fan base, obviously, no different than what we want to accomplish here. You know, we had, you know, we made the playoffs three out of the four years. We had back-to-back 100-point seasons. But, you know, it's still, for me, it's it was it was a good win. And if Florida won and would have lost to Tampa, they'd be saying the same thing. It's, to me, you're in it for one reason, that's to win the Stanley Cup, and we fell short of that. What do you remember about that game six? It's winding down. Uh, the Panthers, you know, have the lead. Um, if, you know, if they hold it, it's back here in South Florida for game seven. What do you remember in those final minutes and then into that overtime? Well, I, I think our guys, we always talk about believability and trust in one another. You know, there's going to be surges in a game. Um, you know, the score is going to change. There's two good teams that are going to have surges. There's two good teams that are playing, and there's two good teams that are going to get chances no matter how you break the game down. That's just the way the game is played. As coaches, we try to obviously, you know, give the best game plan to the players, but at the end of the day, they play the game we don't. And uh, I thought both teams had good structure, did a lot of good things. You know, I thought uh, both teams were really tough to play against, and that's what you look for. Uh, there was a lot of skill on the ice, but it was a physical series as well. And, uh, you know, for us, it was it was a big win for us because coming back here, you don't know what could happen, right? So, you know, we were fortunate, like I said, that 91 took over the game there late and got, got a great goal. What did you think when you found out this past offseason as 91 John Tavares, you find out he's leaving New York and he's going to go to Toronto as a free agent? What was your first thought? Well, it, it, I've, I've said this before that, you know, it was and I've talked I talked to Johnny during the process a little bit. And then after, you know, we talked and it was a real tough decision. He's captain there, uh, face of the franchise. Um 
you know, but uh, I I had a feeling that he was going to visit with teams, you know, I'm not going to say who was in and who was out. I've had a lot of calls from different teams that he met with. But deep down inside, I knew it was between two teams. I knew it was between, you know, the New York Islanders and, and Toronto. And just if you know John and you know the type of family man that he is, uh, he was getting married in the summer. Um, he's real close with his, obviously, mom and dad and his family there in Toronto. He grew up as a Leafs fan. Um I always tell people, if you didn't think Toronto was going to be a destination for him, then you should rethink it a little bit. So I think it was just really between those two teams. It was real tough for him. But at the end of the day, for him to play in his hometown, as we know, it's 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 a childhood dream. And he made that decision. So I, I think that people should respect what he did in the island. Uh, but at the at the same time, it's not like you know he moved on to move on. He moved on because he wanted to be closer to home and play for his hometown Leafs. So from a surprise standpoint, to you really not that surprised no, it wasn't a surprise for me um you know yeah I might have been a little surprised at maybe the the three or four other teams that he was talking to you know maybe uh in a certain way but again that's that's John that's the agent you know and that you know he picked the teams that he had to pick with and I think it's important too that he looked at a team that was young and that had a chance to win and I, and I think that uh, not that the Islanders didn't but Again, I, I just think there was a lot of factors involved that, uh, hey, listen, you know what? They're a young team that right on the on, on the cuff here of, of, you know, if they keep this core group together, no different we did in the island, no different what Dale's doing here with the Panthers, um, that they got a chance to win. So it didn't it didn't surprise me. For you and for him, you guys are so closely linked. Success, as you said, three out of four years, they're going to the playoffs uh, with the Islanders. How tough was it when you look back on it? The you know the the arena situation, not only always being talked about, but you know playing games in Brooklyn and the home bases, Long Island. Does does that weigh on a team as far as on ice when the games are going on? I think our staff did a tremendous job of keeping a singular focus on basically, um, you know, when we knew that we were going to be going to Barkley uh, to into Brooklyn. That you know we had to focus on our last year at the Coliseum. And then when we did make the move, yeah, there were, there were some changes. Now it's it's trains. You know, guys would take a train. Or how are you going to get there? Um, what time are we going to get there? How are we going to do our meetings? Are we still practicing? We first started out, to be honest with you, we went down early, and we had pregame skates at the at, in Brooklyn, and they got day rooms. And then we came back to the rink, and, and after a month and a half or about a month, John came to me, and, and uh, we decided, hey, let's just – Let's have our pregame skates and meetings at the practice facility, and we'll meet down there at three thirty, four o'clock. And we ended up doing it. And you know what? And even in year two, I think we had you know one of the best home records, you know, in the league at that time over the last couple of years in Brooklyn. But now again, now they're going through the Belmont, so and it's the same thing. A lot of the same guys are there. They understand the 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 you know the situation, and I'm sure with Barry and, and his group, they'll do the same thing. Let's focus on and control the things that we can control, and don't worry about what's out of our hands. And you know, I hope for the new owners, for that sake, that they uh, in the next two or three years they get that building in Belmont. But they're going back to the Coliseum, and to me, it's it's one of the it, it's an old school, lot of tradition, and it's a tough building to play in. The the fans are right on top of you, so. Um, you know, I think they got 21 games there. I don't even know what it is over the next uh, home game. So um, I think they'll be fine. And uh, But like I said, moving forward, I don't know if that weighed in on Johnny at all, and I don't believe it did. I do believe it was just kind of a family situation why he went back to Toronto. 
for you as a coach, and you guys always say, you know, coaches over the years I've ever interacted with, hey, we're big boys, and we know when the time comes, the time comes, you know, and no one coaches in one place forever. But how did it end for you with the Islanders? And, you know, you'd been with that organization, Jack, for a long time, you know, in the AHL, AHL did some good things there in Springfield, and obviously had some winning there, you know, with the Islanders, the big club. No, you know what? I'm very fortunate that Charles Wong, I knew when we first took the job, the first year and a half was, was going to be a rebuilding process. Um, but it was great ownership with Charles and Garth that after year, I think it was going into the, the third year that they sat down. And we made the Letty Boy Chuck trade and we started to, you know, do different transactions in our roster. And I knew that they were very frank that it's time to win now. And you, as a coach, you can't ask any more than that. And we had success. We took Pittsburgh to six, Washington to uh, seven games in their building, lost two to one, and then we and then we beat the Panthers and you know lost to Tampa after that. So I'm proud of everything that took place. And it was a it was a unique situation. And you know we were 17, we were 500 team. You know when we decided to split ways on both sides. Uh, not to get into too much detail on on what happened. So, um, but it was. Uh, it was a great experience for me. A lot of friends in New York, um, and uh, you know, players. You know, you build that relationship, and the calls, the text messages, they still go on. And even the guys, the Parentos and the Molsons of the world, or the Andrew McDonalds that went, you know, go to different organizations. It's it's good as a coach. If in uh, it, it feels good to know that you are part of helping them in their development as a player financially for their families. Uh, as they move on. So I can't say enough about the Island organization. I wish them nothing but the best. Take us through the process of how you wind up here with the Panthers after that happens with the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I, uh, I went over to Coach the World Championships, and uh, Dale was over there. He was part of the staff, and, and I talked to Dale. And I, uh, I, I talked to two other teams. Um, you know, I, I, you know, what's going through your head, you know, should I get back in right away or should I sit out and see what happens? Cause you don't, you don't want anybody to lose their job, but anybody that knows me, I, I just, I have to work. I'm, I'm, I'm moving all the time. So I, I, uh, I, uh, I listened to what the organizations had to say. And then, uh, uh, Bob and I met in New York at the airport for a couple hours. And I just knew after with Dale and Bob that, you know, and, uh, what, the expectations were this team, where this team was, and coaching against this team and knowing what their personnel was. And because, um, you know, for any success as assistant coaches or associate coaches moving on to the next level, you got to have some success too. So I thought this was, for me, the right fit, and uh, the weather's not bad either. Plenty more coming up with Panthers associate coach Jack Capuano on this edition of the Goldie on Ice podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're coming right back in 60 seconds. Sides Foundation Fighting Pediatric Cancer is a wonderful nonprofit organization. Born out of Sidney Lister's successful fight against Ewing's sarcoma, Sides was formed helping kids and families fight cancer. Call 954-594-5763 for ways you can help, including attending fundraising events like the annual golf tournament or dinner. Call Dave Lister, Sid's dad, at 954-594-5763. It's the Sides Foundation. I personally thank you for helping the fight against cancer. 
One-on-one concierge is your only stop needed for all of your home needs. Whether you're out of town, you need your home looked after, make sure there's things like no leaks, or any home maintenance at all, Oscar and one-on-one concierge handle it with professional care. House projects, moving, organizing closets, running errands, they do it all. Call Oscar today at one-on-one, 954-439-1551. That's 954-439-1551. Or check out the website, oneononeconcierge.com. The Goldie on Ice podcast continues with Panthers associate coach Jack Capuano. Being a coach today, how different is it than when, you know, when you were done playing, you were there in the East Coast League, a GM in the East Coast League back in the 90s? How, how, how different is it managing people, not only the X's and O's on the ice, but off the ice now? Well, I, I think it's a lot different. I think when I when I played the game too, I, I think the intimidation of coaches, you know, like the, uh, I mean, everybody goes through different coaches, right? And I've had some really good coaches, and but I think in today's day and age, and it's helped me because I I have two kids, a 26 and a 24 year old, and um, you know the the communication is such a big part of it now. There's a lot more teaching because it's a younger league now. There's there's a salary cap. It's a salary cap era. So you're gonna have your big boys making what they make, and then obviously the younger guys and the entry level guys are gonna have to fill in to offset that. Um, but it's 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 nonstop every day communicating and teaching and the video of it. Sometimes the video can. You know, be a little bit too much. I understand that for players. I think that we, we do our fair share here and use it as a teaching tool. But for me, it's more about, you know, meeting with guys, knowing who they are, how they motivate, you know, how you can motivate them. I think the biggest thing as a coach today is how we, how we can maximize their potential as a player. And that's what I try to do every day, you know, especially with the defense on the back end is is uh, once you learn who they are and what motivates them, you know, and, and you build that trust with them and it's a two-way street, I, I think that's uh, that's a real important factor in today's day and age. How long did it take you to get that trust? Or do you have it with every single guy in that, you know, you know what buttons to push with all these Panthers defensemen now? Yeah, I think at the start it was, you know, getting to know Eki a little bit. You know, I've obviously coached, I've known Keith Yandel, but I I, I, uh, I think it, for me it was just a matter of kind of feeling my way, them feeling their way, what the expectations were, what terminology I used, I think, when it comes to systems and, and uh, you know, how we present video and, and how I present teaching with them. I think that was a big part of it. But I think I'm an outgoing guy. You know, I'm 52 years old. I feel like I'm 25. So they, they, they kind of get that, you know, maybe I'm immature at that, at that stage. I'm not a, a social media guy, but uh, I do stay on top of things and try to, you know, get along with the young guys the best I can. And I, I think it's a great fit. And obviously they know me a little bit from how our team played in Long Island. You know, they respect the, the fact that, you know, we, we, we played hard in that series. And uh, I think sometimes when, when you have success against another team, you come in, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a bond that you create with them as well. So it's been a win-win situation, you know, for me. And, and I think the players, it was an easy transition because they're such good kids. You should try Twitter, at Cappy. We can make that handle. I don't, I'm not going anywhere near social media. <laughs> I stay right away. And uh, But... Uh, there's no upside for me to have it. There's no upside for me to have any uh, Twitter account. But uh, you're spoken like a guy that was a GM, a coach, and you have the good perspective. There is no upside. The risk versus the reward. So on this team, uh, you've got a lot of young defensemen. You know, besides Keith Yandel, who does his thing, and he's he's a veteran guy, never misses a game. Um, who have you learned the most about 
And is there one or two guys that you look at that have maybe surprised you about how good they are they are on this team on defense? No one's really surprised me because I think when you have the character of what these guys have, that they have the mentality that they're going to get better every day. Nothing surprises me as long as they come and work every day. We play – the biggest thing for me is the travel here. Like, we don't have a lot of practice time, as you know. So when we do get on the ice, so we do do video sessions that they're attentive and, you know, they hold they hold each other accountable. There, there really isn't surprises. I think Eki has gotten a, a lot better in certain areas of his games. Not that he wasn't well coached before. I'm not using that as – but, you know, Yans is, 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 is veteran player as he is. There's certain things that, you know, maybe a little bit different that we're doing now that he hasn't done in the past too. But – I mean, you know, Makash came a long way last year. Weger came a long way last year. Matheson's really taken a step. We all we knew he was a great skater and got good hockey IQ, but and he's got great legs. But you know, his defensive game is is really starting to come too, and the ability of when and when not to go, and what the trigger points what the trigger points are in our system of when he can activate versus not activating. So, nothing surprises me with the guys. Like I said, they're good character guys. Uh, I got a lot of respect for him because they want to get better every day. And, and, and really, from last year to this year, you know, Petrovic's a different guy. You know, I stayed in touch with him over the summer and what the expectations were. And he's really come in and played with a lot of confidence. How do you manage the defense playing defensively against the defense going on offense? I know you got numbers in your mind. You want to see your blue line reach, you know, as a total at the end of the year. But, you know, and everybody's trying to get speed and move the puck from the back end and have the D jump up now in the NHL. But how do you manage that? Because, you know, at the end of the day, they still got to do the job in front of the goaltender. There's no question that they got to have great gaps, good sticks, you know, deny entries. Um, But for me, there's a correlation that I've done for the last five years, points by defenseman versus the standings. And um, I uh, actually shared it with, you know, if we get 12 to 13 shots from our back end every night, we got a good chance of winning. But we had 162 points from our back end last year, which was fourth in the Atlantic, and we missed it by a point. The other other teams that were ahead of us made the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. you can look at the Metro for the last three years, which I've done, and Points by defenseman correlates where you are in the standings. That just goes to show you how important the game is now because everybody defends well down low. And at the end of the day, we need to be really active, have a lot of motion in the offensive zone. And again, there's trigger points for that. And especially on the rush, fourth man attacks. If you look at some of the goals that we scored, even shorthanded goals that we scored, that we have that attack mode mentality when the opportunity presents itself. So within that team structure, team uh, defense first, there is trigger points that we use when our D want to activate, and it is crucial that our D get involved in the offense the way that teams defend now. Um, how much do you look at video as far as the analytical standpoint when breaking down a game? I know you're right on your laptop when a game ends. Um, how much do you incorporate the analytics into it? And not only for yourself, but then how much do you move on to them to try to get them to play certain ways and do certain things? Because I know you don't want to you know, put too much in their head. they got to still play the game you know, as, as an athlete. I think it can be real confusing for players. I think Bob does a good job, too, of how much analytics that you, you know. We concentrate on you know, maybe a a half a dozen for me on the back end, maybe a dozen for the team that are real important for us. You know, how we deny entries, you know, shots per game, chances per game, you know, a lot of things that a lot of other teams do. Um, But, you know, when when the companies that you use, they can send a lot of information, which is great, but we kind of go through and make a template of exactly what what we think is important to our team that really compounds it constructually of of how we want to play. We want to be fast, uh, how we want to defend, 
Uh, so there are certain there are certain uh, analytics that we we do use on a daily basis for our pre scouts and then our post game reports that we uh, that we acknowledge that we you know take the inventory on that uh, so the next time we play them or even for practice purposes too and see what we need to work on our breakouts are crucial obviously you know for me it's D zone exits whether it's face offs whether it's breakouts because you you know we we spent a little bit more time last year we averaged about. I think it was about six minutes per game in our own end. Uh, so there was some tweaking in our system over the summer, how we could eliminate, you know, some of that time spent in our own end. It's not like we were giving up a lot of shots, but, you know, how can we save some energy, you know, to get out of our own end to play on the offense? And I think this training camp, we, we've tweaked some things that have been real good for us and, you know, it proved to be successful in game one. And we just, you know, got to maintain that. But we do use some of them that we feel is important to answer your question. Less time in your own zone is what you're trying to get to. Um, is it a minor thing for players? What you've, what you guys have tweaked that you know in a training camp they're able to pick it up, or is it is it not a major thing? No, I think throughout the training camp and the video that we showed of how we want to defend. So for us, you know, how we want to defend, spend less time on our own end, but the D zone uh, exits uh, are more efficient where we, we have more options, and then how we can get in on the offense. So I think that's been a real big part of it, and we rep it out every day. Um, and I think where we are now that I think the guys have really come grown into it to, to know that it does work. I think it's a little, a little bit easier on them. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, like a lot of teams, you try to tr- shrink the zone a little bit. You know, we want the puck, so how do we get the puck and go the other way? And that's really, you know, what it comes down to. More insight on the Florida Panthers and the NHL coming up with Panthers associate coach Jack Capuano in 60 seconds. Time to tell you about Ken Morris and the Morris Southeast Group, an inaugural sponsor of the Goldie on Ice podcast. And if you're looking to own commercial real estate, lease or purchase, call Ken, 954-240-4400. That's 954-240-4400. Ken Morris represents buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants. Hey, he's a straight shooter, been doing this for a long time, and very knowledgeable. 954-240-4400 for Ken and the Morris Southeast Group for all of your real estate needs. Orient and Associates Management Group is a prime subcontractor out of Hollywood, Florida. So all of you prime contractors out there, he provides any construction services needed. Call Orion and ONA today at 954-922-8660. Online, it's onamanagementgroup.com. They also handle hauling. If you have demolition waste, non-hazardous material, they handle your trucking needs. More than 25 years of experience, you can trust their professionalism. Again, it's 954-992-8660 for Orion and ONA Management. We appreciate you listening and your support here on the Goldie on Ice podcast. We continue now with Panthers associate coach, Jack Capuano. How are you managing and how will you manage playing time back there on the blue line? Oh, you got your, you know, your main four, but then you've got a, you know, a scramble. You luckily you're pretty much, you know, even in the AHL, you're eight, nine, ten deep on the blue line, which you may need them all at some point. Yeah, no, we do, and and I think that uh, you know, we, we, Kisovic got hurt early. You know, he was really starting to come, and you know, and Weeks got hurt, and then McDonald stepped in and, and really did a good job throughout training camp in game one. So that was a good surprise for us there, knowing that we have a guy on the back end with good hockey IQ that really jumps in offensively, continue to work on his defensive game. But hey, there's certain matchups that 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 we want to have in a game there's no question about it so on the back end we'll discuss before a game on on their top six on who we think is gonna 
you know, play on the back end versus their top six. And you can't always get the matchups you want. We don't want to sacrifice something on the road, especially, you know, at home, obviously we get last change, but I think the guys have the confidence now too, even if they get caught out there against the matchups we don't want, which happened a few times in Tampa that they did a real good job defending. It's, it's, it's managing the puck and uh, it's making sure we have clock management and, uh, you know, and, and we do the right thing with the puck and make high percentage plays. And, uh, I think ID have done a good job. They're heavy on their sticks now. They're defending well, and like I said, I I, uh, I really like where we're at in the back end. And and uh, but you know you're right. Minutes obviously, especially on the back to backs. You know, but for me, you really can't look at the back to back because you got to try to win every game that you play. We missed the game. We missed the playoffs by a point last year. So I think, uh, like I said, I think we do a good job here giving guys rest. I know they, per the CBA, they get a certain amount of days, four, four days off a month. They get more than that here because of our travel. So um, I think we've done a good job navigating through that and making sure that they're well rested. Those top two pairs, did you think about, I know you guys thought about it because you guys talk about this stuff, you know, 20 hours a day, your coaches, but why Yandel Ekblad, Matheson, Pesic, and, you know, what goes into that process if you ever do wind up, you know, breaking it up, making a change? Well, I think... Right now, I think the, it's it's like line combinations. I, I think the chemistry that you have, I mean, you're only as good as your partner. And a lot of people, you know, when you watch a game that, you know, to me, if you don't notice a guy in the back end, he usually has a pretty good game, right? So uh, I think Eki and Yen have that chemistry. I think, obviously, with Mike's offense and his ability to, to move the puck and skate, Piss is one of those guys that knows his role, shot, block shots, make simple plays. Sneaky offensively, though, can can get up into the play. And then we started, obviously, with Wiga, Petrovic, and Kisilvich, and, and, and those guys, especially Petro now, like we moved them up in the Tampa game and, and the top four there with Matheson on a few shifts when McDonald didn't get much ice time in the third period. So, um, But, yeah, we'll manage them, and, and we'll. there's always accountability, too. If a guy's not going well, playing well, then there were times last year we switched it up a little bit, too. But I, I just think that where, where they are right now, they're in, mentally they're in a good spot. They know who they're playing with. Um, when they watch video either with me or they watch it as a team with Bob in the morning, um, you know, it gives them something to talk about too. You know, it's, uh, when, when you're playing together and you're not moving the lines all the lines or the deep pairings all around. So, um, but as the year goes on, there could be changes, but right now we feel pretty comfortable where we're at. You mentioned Petro a couple of times. What is it about his game that, you know, you notice a bit of a difference here this year? It's poison confidence. I, I just think that, you know, Last year, like this, this game is so much about mental toughness and the mental grind and with new coaching staff coming in and maybe not figuring out right away uh, how we wanted to play and, you know, maybe him thinking, oh, these guys, you know, I'm already on their bad side or whatever might be going through his mind. But I, I just think that I, I, I made sure that he's – I talked to all the D this summer, but I spent, you know, a couple phone calls with him. And I think when he left here, he admit that he's in better condition this year way better condition than he was last year. He didn't start off great and admitted that conditioning was a little bit of a factor. I think that, uh, you know, for me, uh, again, you just you watch him and he, he's playing like the Petro that I saw play against the Islanders in the playoffs. He's playing with way more poise and way more confidence. We can use him in, in a lot of different situations now. And, you know, as good as he's playing now, he's continuously working hard every day in practice. His habits are much better. He's doing extra work. Uh, he's becoming a leader, and that's what I didn't see maybe last year as much as I've seen this year. So he's going to be an integral part of our of our of our team this year, and I'm just really happy that you know the the strides that he made over the summer. 
let's talk about toughness. You came up in the 80s. You played college hockey, um, you know, played pro hockey. You know all about how the game has evolved. How much of a factor is it still, and, and maybe not to have a guy that you know, only plays a few shifts and just fights, but how much is toughness and intimidation still a factor in this game? Well, I, I think it's funny because when I first got here, you know, you talked to the defense of the Panthers and, you know, God, did that Sezekis, Clutterbuck, Martin Lane play hard. I mean, that as a defenseman, and I, I try to explain this even to the forwards too, and we all do as coaches, and Bob's done a good job, a defenseman would rather you come down and try to beat him one-on-one. But the minute that you chip a puck by and you make that D turn to go have to go back and get it, you know you're going to get hit. You know that they're coming in on the forecheck and they're forechecking hard. So um, the, the, the game is so much fat, so much skill, so much speed now. And it's all for the forwards. You can't hold up anymore. You know, all the rules, the clutching and grabbing that used to be when, you know, like you said, back when we played, it, it's gone now. So I, I tell the D, it's a tough game to play, and that's why we need to have good sticks. We need to be on the D side of positioning. We need to to be able to defend hard and, and, and read in what shoulder and which way the forward's cutting down low on cycles and not getting beat back to the front of the net, boxing out, fronting pucks, whatever it takes mentality. So, um, But it is crucial for me. When you play teams, you know, in round two, when we played Tampa, as skilled as Tampa Bay was, they played hard and they played physical. They were hard on your skill. And that's what it takes to to win a Stanley Cup. We're not asking anybody to play dirty. We're not asking anybody to fight. We're just asking guys to be honest and to play hard and, um, you know, separate man from puck. And and that's what we're going to continue to do because if we're going to have success against some of these teams that have the top six just as good as Oz – you know, you, if you try to play a skill game with them, I mean, that happens three on three. You see it all the time. But five on five, you have to take away their time and space if you're going to have success. Are you there as a team yet in those categories? Yeah, I think that we're, we're, we're coming. I think we stress it every day. I think it's good to show them the video. I, I always think it's good to show a good one and a bad one. Yeah. That, that that's, that's my theory. Like, okay, if this is how that we need to forecheck, this is how we don't want to forecheck. We're going in there. You know, F1's driving the engine. We're going we're gonna to separate man from puck. We're going to have a good stick. We're not going to go in there and fly by. We're not going to get rolled off and let the D beat us back up the ice. There's a certain way that we want to play. So I think that we're getting to the point that they need to know that the number one priority is when they play the Florida Panthers that, wow, they are a tough team to play against. Even their skill guys are playing hard. Barky's chipping pucks, and he's not trying to beat guys one-on-one. That stems from your leaders of your hockey team, your best players, and it, it's a contagious feeling when they see your best players doing that. Then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's going to start doing that. So I, uh, I, I, I think a D could be a little bit more physical down low. I mean, we're preaching that every day, especially with the with the tweaks we made in the D zone. But overall, I do think that uh, I think the guys after this long training camp, we're pretty good in game one. You know, we have this long layover. I, I've always said that the more games we play, the better we are. You know, we've had a lot of practices here. Guys want to stop playing. So it's a little early to tell yet, but I think mentally and physically they're dialed in and they know what our identity is and we're going to have to play to that identity. You've been around this game a long time. Alexander Barkov, now the captain. Um, What do you think of him wearing the C? And have you noticed a difference in him since he's putting that C on his jersey? I think the beautiful thing about guys like that, even, you know, 
we had the same situation with Mark Streit and then John Tavares, you know, took over the captaincy. And Derek McKenzie's been first class about this whole thing. What a great leader he is. And Derek and all the other guys in the room uh, uh, helping Barky, uh, you know, develop into that leader. But when, when to me, it's, it's action spe- speaks louder than words. Barky's going to say what he has to say when he has to say it. But when he's your hottest working player every single day in practice, you know, that it's just a second effort is a natural reflex for him. It's just he doesn't stop on loose pucks. He, you know, he doesn't quit on a play. You know, and, and obviously we know how good his skill is. He's great defensively. I think he was one goal shy, shorthanded last year, or, or close to it for the franchise record, how good he is defensively too. So he can play in all situations. So I think it's a great transition for him. I think the room has been great. The room knows what type of person he is. It's instant credibility. Uh, that Barky's the captain. Even I mean, you look in the room. Th- th- there was a few guys that could have been captain, but you know, it's a situation where those other guys know they have A's on their jerseys, but they know that you know Barky is the type of guy that maybe they need to continue to watch Barky every day. It's not games; it's practices because the game the games are one in practice. It's about your habits. It's about your work ethic. It's about your second effort. And he reminds me a lot of John Tavares and how he prepares for a game. Um, and get ready for a game. And a lot of our young guys can learn from that. Final question for you. Our fans will scream at me. They'll get mad if I don't ask you. So I got to ask you, was Trocek tripped at the end of Game 6 at Barclays Center a few years ago? Yeah, I'm, Trocek was tripped. But if, if I wanted to go back, and I'm not going to name the three other penalties that uh, power plays that we could have had in that game, um, it was just – I always say things get magnified. You know what I mean? So it's just like there's a play where – you know, a, a defenseman didn't play a two-on-one right, but everybody looks at that guy because he's the last line of defense where the breakdown was probably one of the forwards, right, for not doing what his job. So, um, yeah, the, he was tripped, but at the same time, I'm saying, like, to me, I'm a no-excuse guy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, maybe we go on the power play in the second period twice in that particular game, and maybe the game wouldn't have been that close too. But like I said, it was a great series. Either team could have won. Um, but the biggest the biggest goal for us was in this building when Quine got the power play goal uh, on Luongo there that, that took us back home. It was a great series. We hope to see you uh, back in the playoffs this year with the Panthers, Jack. Yeah, Appreciate it. Me too. Thanks for having me. Well, some great insight into hockey, the Florida Panthers, coaching, and uh, John Tavares, free agency with uh, the always affable Jack Capuano. We appreciate him joining the Goldie on Ice podcast here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks a lot for listening.